This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Um, And before we get into this week's topic, uh, we try always to... um, mention that that we we invite and we love listener feedback so uh email me chris uh cbergwald at sfcatholic.org c-b-u-r-g-w-a-l-d at sfcatholic.org if you have any ideas for future episodes any questions about um uh this or a past episode um any complaints send to the bishop well or 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 not oh that was the polite that was that was the um father's being very kind there with his little chuckle i'm I, that was a bad one i'm sorry anyway father how are you uh, very well father there's been snow this week in sioux falls yeah there's been precipitation and i'm just frustrated because it's uh not because it's snow in october i'm just frustrated because i've got a roof project and when there's precipitation it's kind of hard to take your roof off yes it is there at the newman center yeah really yeah it's a 20 year old roof it's about time to replace it there we go holy cow so uh the the uh, we're recording this on wednesday the 23rd um next friday uh is is november 1st and of course around this time of the year most most young people including the little people at my house are thinking about the night before when they get to walk around the neighborhood and people give them candy for free father I, I'm, I'm curious about your i have a i have a halloween um uh decorum dilemma that I'd like to run by you if you don't mind. Okay. Do you think Okay, so would it be appropriate for for my wife and I to go out with our kids and collect candy from our neighbors and have have nobody back home handing out candy to the neighbors kids? Oh. What, what what's the what's your moral analysis of this conundrum? Well, I think I would say um um, what do you call it? Uh, do unto others as you would. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. I, that, Father, there's a, a a colleague of mine whose name will go unnamed, but it rhymes with Balaber, um, who takes a different view on this matter. And oh, and they they leave their house, they shutter it, they turn the lights off, and they go collect candy, and they don't do anything for anybody else. And I, that's just wrong. Boy, that is. <laughs> Just kidding. Any, any ter- first-time listeners, this is part of our regular pre-real conversation banter. So uh, we're about done, I think. Right, Father? I hope so. Okay, good. So what we want to talk about, though, is what, what we're celebrating. Actually, that night, the night of the, the 31st, the vigil of what we celebrate on November 1st, which is All Saints Day. So um, this is a, a, a great feast in the the calendar of of the the church year the, church, the liturgical calendar in which we commemorate all of uh those those many unnamed um or well maybe named saints but those who don't maybe unnamed that we don't know about but but even those who who are canonized um but but don't have their own feast days for one reason or another um you know and for me personally my, my oldest daughter is um 
her, her, her middle name is Ray, which is short for Rachel. And so she claims as one of her saints, the Old Testament figure, Rachel. Mm. Um, and so, and, and, and there is, there is some veneration of St. Rachel, uh, but she doesn't have her own feast dates, November 1st, along with many others in similar situations. So she's looking forward to that because, well, she won't get a lot more candy because she just got a name before, but it's still, it's her feast day in a particular way. So father, what, what, what's just taking this feast day, you know, the, the saints, that's, that's, that's one of those Catholic distinctives. Uh, certainly we had something we share in common with some other Christians, but particularly for many, many of our Protestant brothers and sisters, they sort of look sideways uh, or worse uh, when it comes to saints. But apart from that, you know, there's the whole apologetics element, but, but just in its own right for our own sake as, as Catholics and, and with Catholic spirituality in general, um, the, the whole topic of saints is, is a rich and deep one. Um, any particular direction that you'd like to start with this topic? Well, I think just to um, uh, focus on uh, you know what the same what we really actually talk about the saints might be a good way to begin. You know, so maybe for those who are uncomfortable, and even some Catholics, uh, whether they were raised in a Catholic home or converted to the Church later in life, a lot of Catholics are sometimes uncomfortable with uh, the communion of saints. And then, uh, so maybe just to talk about that. And then, secondly, um, uh, we can talk about uh, uh, the advantages of living in union with the communion of saints, uh, the church triumphant. And uh, then we can talk a little bit about how uh, someone gets to be declared a saint in the life of the church. Okay. So start us start us off with the first point, then. Okay. So, uh, well, it's not unusual that. Even Catholics and non-Catholics, of course, find themselves uncomfortable with the idea of uh, the communion of saints, you know, where, gosh, uh, shouldn't we just talk to Jesus alone? Uh, Or it seems like we're making a big to-do about these people and spending a lot of time, a lot of energy on them. Um, And even like the whole phrase of praying to saints, people become uncomfortable with. Um, So I think that'd be, uh, first thing would be to say that as Catholics, you know, we when we say we talk about praying to saints, we use the English word pray in in, uh, uh, in many varied ways, right. don't we, Doctor Bird? Absolutely. So, what are you talking about there? What do you have in mind? Well, the English the English word pray. We could talk about pray to God in the sense of worship God. We could talk about praying to God in terms of petitioning God for something. We could talk about praying to God and asking for forgiveness. We could talk about. Uh, praying to God and asking something for someone else aside from ourselves. And so whenever we use that English word pray, there's just a lot of possibilities. Right. And I think of, you know, and this is, I don't know if the British still use it this way, but uh, back in the day, you know, pray uh, so-and-so, your majesty, tell me what it's just, it's, it's a way of, 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 of making a request to, or, you know, a, a phrase that you still hear that's somewhat commonly used, pray tell. Um, so it has even a much, the, the point I think there is that there's a much broader usage than just uh, prayer in the sense of the adoration and worship that's due to God alone then, right? Correct. And so if one were to adore the saints by, uh, and what they mean by praying to the saints, if they were to be adoring the saints, uh, that would be wrong. Uh, that's not what the Church teaches. And so and it's good to feel uncomfortable about the concept of worshiping saints. Uh, but when we talk about praying to saints, we're talking about those other uses of the word, specifically the idea of asking, uh, asking the saints to ask for us and with us for things. 
And that's uh, it's never bad to have people on your side, is it, Dr. Burgle? Absolutely. <laughs> no, the more the better, I think, right? Right. You know, it's uh, kind of like um, some parents, I suppose, joke about this. But once you have three kids, you realize that you're now outnumbered. Exactly. You know, and um, so you don't want to be outnumbered when it comes to talking to our Lord. Exactly. And not that numbers alone convince God of anything. Right. And so, well, you know, I got this praying, this saint and that saint, and I got 50 different novenas going on to 50 different saints. Uh, and so, therefore, God has to answer my right. request in the way I want. Right. 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 You know, if you get enough saints, can you force God to do what you want? Uh, no. No. Very okay. good. I, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you got that right. <laughs> yes. So, but with that though, Father, I think that's sometimes there's a, there's a, there are two thoughts that came to my mind. First of all, um, you know, the whole, whole idea of asking other people to pray for us is, is of course, thoroughly Christian, thoroughly biblical. Um, it's, it's spoken about many times. It's almost obvious. I mean, it's just part of common Christian practice and it has been from the beginning um, to, to uh, not just for pray, to pray f- for others who are in need, but also to ask them to pray for my needs as well or for the needs of someone that I know. You know, hey, my, my dad's going in for heart surgery next week. Uh, could you pray for him? We do that sort of thing all the time. Um, and this is just doing the same thing with, as you says, as you, as you said earlier, the church triumphant, those who we, we know are in the presence of God now who are completely righteous. We're asking them to pray as well. Um, and I, as you were just saying, I mean, the more, the better. I mean, there's, there's not only no harm in that, but that's a, a, an excellent and beautiful, beautiful thing to do. But I think the, the second thing to the question then, Father, how would you respond to those who say, okay, I, I, I get all that, we can do that, but, but when we have direct access to God, why not just take the time that we would have used praying to these other saints? Um, and I recognize what you're saying, it's not adoration, et cetera, but why, why bother? I mean, if we can just take that time and just focus all the efforts on, on interceding directly to, to God himself. How do you respond to that question? Well, I, uh, I'm guessing you probably have a response as well, but uh, um, my response would be, first of all, that because the saints, if they are who we say they are, which is in heaven, uh, contemplating um, God and all his glory and majesty uh, in the way proper to uh, the saints, then they might know how to pray better than we do. You know, we're here uh, under this veil of tears, under the burden of sin still, and so our prayers uh, aren't always maybe uh, as accurate as they should be, or maybe we're praying for the wrong thing. And so, uh, including the intercession of the saints uh, always increases in that way. Uh, It's always a benefit in that regard because uh, they help to purify our own desires, our own prayers uh, before the Lord. Also, um, uh, we do that uh, because uh, we trust that they have lived that holy life that we're striving to live. You know, I think um, few of us would admit that we are perfect. You know, and if we admit we're perfect, then we're probably lying. Right. Right. Uh, and so while the saints uh, themselves aren't perfect, you know, every saint was a sinner, but they have been uh, more perfected by God than we are. And just as we would naturally go here on earth to someone who is, uh, who seems to be uh, living the life of grace and goodness 
uh, and righteousness in a much better way than we are, we might ask them to pray for us than certainly the saints. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think along those lines too, I mean, again, th- there's the biblical basis for it, but, but you could, somebody could say, well, what, but why is that? Why, why do we, again, why not just pray directly to God? Why, why are we told to, to, um, seek the intercession of others, both the living and the deceased, but those who are, who are in heaven. Um, and I, I think it goes back to, you know, the principle I think that that's at work here from the divine perspective, I'm guessing, is that God, God loves to include his creation in his work of redemption. So there's all sorts of, you know, God relies on us to proclaim his word. God relies on us to evangelize. Um, he doesn't, you know, he, he starts things off and he's obviously, through, particularly through the power of the Holy Spirit, is continually aiding and guiding, but he's still involves us in the process. He, uh, he, he desires that we would, we, we would be his, his hands and feet as the, the common saying goes. And I think there's something um, similar at work here. God, God delights in his children raising up one another in prayer. Yes, I could pray directly to God, but God delights in me asking others to pray for me, whether it's asking you to pray for me, Father, whether it's asking uh, a saint in heaven to pray for for me or for a need. Um, God Uh, seems to delight in that, don't you think? Yes, and for evidence, more evidence of that, we can see that God certainly desires to show forth uh, the abundance of his goodness in just the manifold nature of creation. Right, that there is more than one type of tree. Right, there is more than one type of dog. That there is more than one appearance of of man. Right. Yep. And so, uh, but yet, all of them are in some way an image of the Creator, and in, of course, in the special and highest way, humanity in the image and likeness of God. Uh, and so, they show forth His richness, His uh, His His uh, infin- infinitude. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so then in the seeking of that intercession way, you're actually uh, thanking him and glorifying him for that uh, infinite majesty. Absolutely. So so that's some of the, the benefit of, of praying to them. What, what, else is, what, what else are the saints good for? <laughs> well, uh, I think they're also good for an example. Okay. Right? Of how uh, to live the Christian life. Um, we all know that uh, examples are probably the best way to learn things, right? Not just to learn it in the abstract, but to see someone do it and then to do it ourselves uh, certainly is uh, of great benefit, um, even after we've read something in the abstract. And so uh, the saints uh, in their lives show us uh, examples of living Christian virtue, which encourage us and inspire us in our own lives. Yeah, and I think sometimes there can be um, a bit of confusion related to this point where what can almost have the um, the opposite effect desired, and that is that sometimes, well, I could never be a saint. Well, I, I could never be like him or like her, um, some some great figure, uh, some canonized saint. I couldn't even, you know, the average Christian saint, I could never be like, well, but yes, you can. That, that's, that's one of the reasons why we canonize them, as you were just saying, Father, to show that it is possible to live a life of heroic virtue. Uh, as is required to become a saint, um, clear evidence of somebody having lived the lived out the virtuous life, the Christian life, in a heroic manner, um, and, and 
it is possible by the grace of God and my cooperation with him, um, I can, I can become a great saint as well. Again, there, as you were saying earlier, there's always a variety and so on. And it's not talking about all, you know, it's not sameness. It's not uniformity in that way. There's, there's great richness, um, in, in the life of holiness, but yeah, the, the, the point of, of all of, uh, uh, one of the, the points of saints as models is to show us exactly that, as you were saying, the, the examples that it is possible to live this way, that what we read Jesus teaching and, and whether it's the Beatitudes or, or his other, other teachings on, on how we are to live as Christians, that this can be achieved, um, that there are literally thousands of people, um, who have, verifiably, documentedly uh, lived lives of, of, of Christian virtue in a deep and profound way. Uh, which, which should give us that great encouragement in that regard. And, and we see that already in um, just in the human person in that way. You know, we're often inspired by those who have done it before. You know, think of how many different ad campaigns are based on inspiration in that regard. What do you mean? Well, uh, thinking of, um, you know, the whole sports role model issue, right, of, uh, you know, we uh, elevate, uh, you know, this soccer player or that football player, this basketball player, and say, hey, they did it, you can do it now, you know? Or um, there was uh, a a recent advertisement, uh, um, actually, of all things, for Guinness Beer uh, recently, where uh, they had uh, uh, some men playing wheelchair basketball, right? And they're swacking into each other, oh, yeah. wheelchairs and all over the place, and, you know, and, and they get done with the game, and of the four guys, three of them stand up out of their chairs, you know, and that it's, you know, a group of friends where one of them's in a wheelchair and the other three are learning how to play wheelchair basketball with him. Yep. You know, even though they don't need a wheelchair normally. And, oh, that's inspiring, yep. right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so so where we where we that's that's a, as you're saying a common human reality to to look to others who have uh, done well in a field. Uh, we see this a lot, I think, in business practice today. You know, looking at there's all there's a, a cottage industry of books. You know, looking at what of the the Steve Jobs of the world and how can I become like them, um, or or with with self improvement in that you know that broad popular sense. You know, looking at people who have done well and and how can I be like them. That's what we have with with the saints. Um, Father, why, do, you, do we have time? Do you think to talk about some of Maybe some of the, the, the saints who, who uh, we have a particular devotion to, or do you want to move on and come back to that if we have time? Well, we could certainly do that. That's probably more interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so uh, a couple saints that I really enjoy. Uh, one is St. John Vianney, uh, page of St. Parish Priest. He was uh, very much interested in my vocation uh, before I was even interested in my vocation. What do you mean? Well, uh, that he just kind of started popping up when I started considering the priesthood. And uh, I was, I remember I was uh, looking to do a novena, a novena, uh, nine days of prayer. And uh, through a certain saint's intercession, just to, to, for a retreat I was leading, so I was looking for saints and came upon St. John Vianney in a novena in, uh, through his intercession. And, uh, oh my goodness, this is about parish priests. This is about the time I was still, uh, um, trying to figure out what I was supposed to do, whether go to the seminary or 
keep staying in college. And so that played a big role for me. And then later on, I found out that his feast day is the birthday of my grandfather, Lowell. Oh, wow. Whose middle name I have. Huh. Or whose name is my middle name. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, uh, but just little neat little connections like that. Okay. So I'll say Jemory Vinny. Anybody else come particularly? Oh, lots more. I mean, I could, I could go all Okay, I, I'll go first. Our next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, and, and for, for me, it's going to be, he will be canonized next year, but um, currently he's blessed John Paul II, um, uh, whose feast day we just celebrated as we're recording this yesterday on October 22nd, which was the date of the ma- his inaugural mass when he began his pontificate um, in October of 1978. And, and that's simply because he is, I think, uh, well, at least currently, um, the the uh, I actually I I got I met him, albeit briefly, but but twice, and just you know having that father the, the experience of somebody who you've actually looked in their eyes, and now we're able to seek their heaven his heavenly intercession, um, and, and he's also uh, the the patron saint for for my son um, Carl, so his his named somewhat after. Carl Wojtyla, uh, blessed John Paul II. Um, but just that 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 connection of having somebody who, um, with 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 one of my children, and and then um, having met him, and now being able, even as blessed, being able to seek his intercession, and just the example he set, you know the you know the the you know you and I, um, I don't know if we ever talked in a podcast about John Paul II, but just I don't. Are you considered a uh, John Paul II priest? I don't know if you are. Would you consider yourself to a priest of John Paul II? Second, so to speak. Um, well, kind of insider question there for some of our listeners. John Paul II priests are um, focused on, or as a name given to a generation of priests uh, that came pretty much after Pastoris Dabuvobis, uh, a, a document from Rome saying, I will give you shepherds, uh, written by uh, John Paul the Great. Um, I, I think I'd be considered John Paul II priest in those terms, um, but I'm not a. Um, John, um, I'm not a um, John Paul II priest in the sense that like I didn't go gaga over everything he wrote. Gotcha. Just because I had a hard time reading his writing, <laughs> like not his handwriting, uh, <laughs> but just his style of writing. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I had a hard time reading it. Gotcha. That makes sense. I like what he wrote. I just don't like reading it. So, but just the example that he was, you know, at at the particular time, the church, a lot of, you know, where's the church at and so on, and his boldness in proclaiming Christ and his teachings as we receive them through the church and, and, and so on inspired a lot of, of, I think, generation Xers and, and following generations, uh, in that way. So he's one that I have. And then also, um, you know, for a long time, my birthday is September 23rd. And for most of my life, uh, I have not had a saint on on my birthday. I'm sure there's somebody, but but there wasn't somebody on the universal calendar. However, uh, 10 plus years ago, I got one, Padre Pio, uh, his, his, his feast day is September 23rd. So he's somebody who, not quite as much, um, but, but I have somewhat of, of a devotion to him as well. So those are two that come to my mind. Those are great ones. So, well, should we talk a little bit just to briefly then about uh, uh, the saints themselves as a uh, or how someone be? You know, and with all saints, they were talking about the saints kind of in general fashion. Those saints who don't have uh, an official day on the calendar, or those saints who are holy men and women with the Lord who haven't been recognized by the church. Right. 
Uh, would you want to talk a bit about the process of, uh, of becoming a saint? Yes, yeah, so it's it's yeah, absolutely. So there's, I'll just you know give a summary and then you can fill in the details. There's this lengthy, and it's been this way for for centuries now, a lengthy process of investigating the life and the writing of somebody whose whose cause is promoted in in the parlance, the the, the terms that are used. So somebody has died, and pe- people maybe who think, boy, this this man, this woman was a particularly holy person, and they seek to promote their cause, and it has to receive the the approval of the local diocesan bishop, and it begins there, and it sort of proceeds through these various steps: um, servant of God, venerable, blessed, and then saint. So um, those are sort of the, the the steps of the ladder, so to speak, leading up to canonization, uh, to sainthood, um, and and particularly again, life a life of heroic virtue is is the big thing, and then for both um, to be beatified, to be declared a saint, blessed, and then to be canonized, to be declared. A saint, you need, there has to be, um, in each case, uh, an instance of a miracle. So where somebody sought the intercession of this person and a miracle occurred because of that. So, and that can be waived. So John the 23rd is going to be canonized also on April 27th and the, the commission for the cause of saints, um, and then, uh, and, and Pope Francis, um, uh, agreed with their recommendation. They waived that recommendation. There was a saint, there's a miracle for his beatification, but for John the 23rd to be canonized, the wave, the requirement of a miracle. But that's that's atypical. Typically, there has to be a miracle for both steps. So that's in a nutshell, Father, my understanding of the process. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think I would just add, uh, when we talk about verifying a miracle, it's not just, oh, that was pretty neato yeah. uh, or something like that, but it's uh, it's a pretty rigorous uh, verification of uh, the miracle, um, you know, that it has to be uh, shown that there is no uh, no human explanation for what happened, uh, for the cure and things of like that, and show that the cure is actually deliberately attached to um, uh, the action of uh, of praying th- through that person's intercession. So, um, like if. So someone who uh, had a miraculous recovery, if people were praying for that person through, you know, several different intercessions, well, then they say we can't accept this as a miracle for someone's cause of canonization. Right. And so I think that's uh, kind of a, a good point in that regard. Um, secondly, uh, and again, on the idea of uh, of miracles. Um, that uh, uh, the church even has those uh, who, um, you know, an overseeing and people whose jobs are to make sure that, you know, something isn't slipped in just because uh, the people in South Dakota really loved Dr. Chris Bergwald, right. so they're doing everything they can to get Dr. <laughs> Chris Bergwald to be St. Chris Bergwald. Right. And so, uh, maybe we kind of fudged a few things here, you yep. know, but not trust us, you know, no, no they're going to go through and... Uh, defend the church in that regard. Yes, it's a thorough process. And the miracles, it's, you know, scientists, uh, medical doctors, medical professionals are involved. It's not just theologians or, you know, priests, bishops, etc. investigating. There's a thorough process there. And, and the cure must be a rapid, complete, and lasting cure. Yeah. Yes. I just got better for a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I recovered. Oh, yeah. We prayed through Chris Bergwald's intercession, and I tell you, my cough lightened up for a day. <laughs> and on that uh, uh, questionable note, we're going to end this episode, Father. Uh, wrap this one up. Um, again, as I mentioned at the outset, if you have any questions, email me, cbergwald.sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. 
And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.